Good morning, church. Thank you for joining us here online. We're so glad you came to be with us for church this morning. And right now I want to say, parents, that this would be the perfect time if you have kids and Lake's kids that uh, we have Kids Church available and it's on YouTube or right now media. And so it would be perfect timing for you to get a phone or iPad, computer, get your kids set up. So while we're doing the teaching time, they can watch Kids Church. Also, i uh, remind you of a couple of uh, spots. If you are on the platform, you may be watching on Facebook or YouTube, so we refer to some of this stuff, and you're not seeing what we're talking about, but if you're on our platform, straight from our website, there's a button at the top here that says connect with us, so if you're a first-time guest, we'd love to know that. If you've got prayer requests, anything else, uh, comments you'd like to send, we'd love for you to connect with us through our virtual connect card, and then at the bottom is live prayer. We have people waiting to pray with you. Uh, if you need to pray with somebody, and you can get into a private chat with someone else, um, and have that opportunity. So utilize those, but I want to jump right in. I'm excited because we are starting a new series, and if you've got your Bible, then open up to the book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians 1, chapter 1. Let me read the introduction as sort of an introduction to the book. Ephesians 1, 1, it says this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, opening of the book tells us a couple things real quick. Uh, it's written by Paul. Uh, some of you may know that Paul was a guy who actually killed Christians. Um, had a continual struggle with that whole scenario. Uh, killing Christians and being just anti the whole, the way it was called back then. And he was um, encountered a, an encounter with Christ. His life was radically changed. And then he ended up writing two-thirds of the New Testament is now one of the most outspoken missionaries started churches, uh, was really a huge part of the beginning of the church. So he's writing this book, and he's writing it, it says, to the saints, which that means he's writing to believers, to people who are Jesus followers, in the town of Ephesus. So the book is called Ephesians. So this is a letter written to a church that is in Ephesus. And uh, I think you're going to see how much it really ties to even the circumstances of our current situation and the fact that I'm doing this this way and not in person. But uh, real quick, I just want to go through a couple things to equate you with Ephesians. We're going to spend the next six weeks studying the book of Ephesians. Um, it is six chapters, so we're going to do a chapter a week. And what I'm going to really encourage each of you to do is I'd like you to read whatever chapter we study that week every day. Now, honestly, it's six chapters. You could read the whole book um, in, in, a, in a sitting. So you could read the whole book in two or three times a week. But at least just ask each day for God to give you a different little understanding. What's amazing about God's living word is that it constantly shows us new things. There are stories that I have read literally hundreds of times. And I'll read it and go, oh my gosh, I didn't even see that before. Uh, because it's it's his living word. So as we study what you guys to be studying, but many scholars believe that uh, this might be the most important letter that Paul wrote. I mean, with all the ones that he wrote, um, it is full of theological truth that we can really build our, our life on. And Paul's going to kind of map out how even when things around you, and now this is how it ties to us, how even when things that are around you are not going so well, how you can not just survive, but thrive in that situation. And so, uh, man, that's my desire and passion for you as I look around our community. And so people are missing hours, uh, missing jobs. Some of our small businesses are struggling. And how do you, 
And this is, this is what Paul's going to lay out for us. How do you not just survive, but how do you thrive um, in an environment like that or even in a situation like that? Six chapters divided into two sections. The very first section, chapter 1, 2, and 3, is Paul kind of lays out the theology of God's amazing grace, of his amazing good heart towards humanity, his love for us, uh, that really that God has gone above and beyond so that we can live a blessed life even when life is not going so well. And that seems like an oxymoron, but we're going to talk more about it as the weeks go on. Now, with that said, the, the second half, chapters 4, 5, and 6, are now based on that, how then should we live? And so it gets the, the second half of it gets very practical, very real, talks about marriage and relationships within a family and, and a lot of these things. And it's really, how does the amazing grace of a great God help us to thrive? And so, uh, again, it was written to the people in Ephesus. Ephesus. Now, when you picture Ephesus, I want you to think of, I picture South Florida. Okay? Uh, it was a port town on the coast. Very, very rich. Okay? Warm weather, palm trees, uh, lots of culture, a, a lot, very successful in trade. So I get this picture of almost like Miami. You know, Miami Beach, kind of the luxury. So picture that. They've got their brand new chariots. They're riding around looking good. Like this is kind of the, the picture. At the exact same time, Ephesus is extremely pagan. In other words, not godly, but has all these different, and they've got temples to all these different goddesses, and they've got some really weird practices. And in that environment, the Christians, the church there is struggling. Uh, there's a lot of persecution um, they get kind of picked on, and, and, and so what they're living in is, is an uncomfortable, uncertain situation. So Paul writes this letter to them to, to encourage them, to, to help them to understand what does it mean to live out what Christ has called us to do, and to thrive, even when everything around us is maybe uncertain or, or maybe even kind of a little jacked up. And I was thinking, sometimes life can get us off focus, right? Especially when you... When life feels uncertain or rushed or just off. It, it is during those times that we have to be reminded of what the Bible tells us. That there is a natural, what we see, and there is a supernatural, what we don't see. And what the, the, the Bible tells us and the reality is, is that although we see the natural, and that's really where we focus most of our time, the supernatural is way more important and way larger than actually what we see. And we've got to be reminded of that on a regular basis, right? Because you don't know what you don't know. And, and so we just have a tendency to go off of what I see, react to what I see, react to my feelings, the things that are around me, what's going on. And, 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 and so that will lead us to a place where maybe we think that God's deaf, right? Or, or that God's sleeping. And what I need you to hear this morning is God is not deaf. He is wide awake. Right? His ears are working just fine. And he is sovereign and in control of all things. And so he writes to them, and I think he writes to us. And uh, i got to say this again, how amazing is God? We've had this on the schedule for a year that we were going to do this series. And yet this is the book that we start to study this week right now when we're in the middle of this pandemic and the situation we're in. So, man, how good is God? Uh, Mike didn't plan that. A staff didn't plan that. The Holy Spirit planned that. Uh, that we would study this and say, now how do we thrive 
even in uncertainty, and even in struggle. So I've used that word thrive a few times. Let me give you a definition because I think it's important. Definition of thrive. To grow or develop well or vigorously. Prosper or flourish. Love this one. To progress towards a good, a goal, despite the circumstances. So no matter what is happening around you, no matter what is trying to come against you or hold you down, some of you have people that you feel like are holding you down or even bullying, you know, that kind of a scenario. Life feels heavy or struggle. And, and that is what we have said. If you've been around Church of the Lakes for very long, you've heard me talk about a John 10.10 life. John 10.10, it says this. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? In the supernatural, we have an enemy. That enemy is the devil. And his demons, the angels that followed him. And they want to steal, kill, and destroy. They want to steal your focus. They want to kill your dreams. They want to destroy your life. Like that's, that's the whole goal of what's going on in the supernatural that you can't see. But it goes on and Jesus says, I have come that you might have life. Right? And have life to the full. I would paraphrase it this way. I want you to thrive. I want you to overcome. I want you to crush it. Like, I want you to be able to overcome no matter what is thrown your way. But there's a tension there because there's a tension between what we see in the natural and what is the reality of the supernatural. There's a tension when we're asking God to do something and he doesn't move today because it's not his time. Right? There's, there's this there's, there's struggle. So I want to give you a little bit of an illustration that I thought about. I have five beautiful girls. Jen and I have been blessed enough to be foster parents and take in, and we've had five Girls go through our house. That's a lot of estrogen. We have five girls in our home, and my girls are beautiful. I mean, the three girls that are home now are constantly, it's boys, and, and you know, and there was one of my girls, Tina, and she was just drop-dead gorgeous. She's from Jamaica, and African-American, so she, and very, very dark skin. And so I would take Tina, she would need to get hair, which that was a whole new world for us crazy white people, right, in that process. And so I would take her down to Carver Heights to the hair place to go buy extensions, to buy hair. Well, here's the old white man walking in with this drop-dead gorgeous young lady. And, of course, I get all the looks like, that must be the sugar daddy here. You know, I get all these weird kind of looks and all this kind of stuff. But with, through the whole process of my girls, what has really been interesting is, is, is you learn how bad you were as a young man. It's amazing how bold the young men will be. And especially more these days, what they'll say and all until they figure out who my girl's dad is. In other words, I walked into an event at the high school and it was the first event my daughter had been to and that I had come to. And when I walked through, some of the boys around her went, that, that's your dad? And then she was like, yep. And they kind of leaned away from her real quick. It's amazing. Listen to me. Catch this. It's amazing how things will change when you know who you are and whose you are. And I need to remind you of who your dad is this morning. For those of you who have accepted Christ, your dad is the creator of the universe. All power at his fingertips. And you've got to remind yourself and you've got to remind those things that are coming against you in your life who your dad is. Right? Who is your dad? And what is it that that, that means for you? And that's exactly what Paul What's the church to hear at the beginning of the letter? Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So we have been blessed 
through Christ. Listen, every blessing that comes into your life that is any good or lasting comes because of a unity with Jesus. There are things that you can be blessed with in this world, but they never are lasting. Those things that last and really matter and have eternal matter and matter in the supernatural as well as the natural are going to become because of your relationship with Jesus. Verse 4, even as he chose us, I'm going to come back to that word in a minute, chose us, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. But I don't feel very holy, holy and blameless. Well, that's, he's making us that. That's not something you choose to do. In love, he predestined us for adoption. That's the next word I'm going to come back to. Adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Let me stop there and pick out three, three words, three ideas. First one is this, he chose us. Um, I need to remind you this morning of who you are and whose you are so that you can thrive. So let me start with this. He chose us. He chose you. There is something unbelievable about being chosen. Like, I don't know if you remember the whole tension on the on the uh, play on the playground when it comes time to pick teams, right? And to be the first one chosen is amazing, and to be the last one chosen is horrible. Right? There's something about being chosen. What I need you to hear, what you need to understand about yourself and the way that God looks at you is that he chose you, and I would go so far as to say he chose you first. You're one of his first picks, right? And, and, and when you grasp that idea that you are loved in that way and that you are chosen, it just changes. And he didn't just choose you for a team. Listen, he chose you to be in his family. It's different to sit in a setting like this in a home, right? And to be chosen to be in a family than it is just to be in, on, on a team. And God, your father, has chosen you. The next word I want to kind of pick up is he adopted he adopted us. That's a choice that takes effort. We've adopted five kids, and it's expensive. It's time-consuming. It's emotionally um, brutal. We spent a year and a half. We're going to get to adopt them. No, they're going to go home. Or they're going to get to adopt them. They're going to go. I mean, it was just an emotional toil. So anyone who adopted knows adoption is a heavy word. That's not. That's not something. You know. We, we, when we, before we adopted, we talked about adoption and it sounded romantic. You know, it sounds cool. Once you get into it, you see, man, this cost, this is, this is costly. Like this is, and I, and I need you to hear, like it cost God. And you know what it cost him? His one and only son. Like he gave his one and only son to adopt you. You're chosen, you're adopted. And then because of that, the last piece in that verse is he redeemed you. He redeemed us. Let me give you the definition of redeemed so that really sets into you. Number one is, is, is to gain or regain possession of something. In other words, God wanted to regain possession of you as his own and part of his family. To gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment. Jesus was that payment. Love this second and listen to this. To compensate for the faults or bad aspects of something. You need to hear, no matter who you are, where you are today, that's the kind of God you have. He wants to compensate for every one of your faults, 
He wants to make up for every particular one of your struggles. I think we have heard those words and those ideas, for those of us who've been in church for so long, we've heard them for so long that they've lost their strength and power in our psyche and in our hearts. You're chosen. Like God chose you. How did he do it? Well, he gave and sacrificed his son and adopted you into his family and that redeemed you. That, that, that covers over all faults, all issues, all dysfunction. Come on, anybody else got a little dysfunction going on in your family, right? And, and, and yet he has chosen, adopted, and redeemed me. And I think Paul needed the people in Ephesus to hear that. And I think God wants some of you to hear that this morning. Hear it with fresh ears, new and, and different. Let me pick up in verse 8. So he says that uh, he did all this according to his graces, which he lavished upon us, right? He gives us lavish grace. In all his wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. What was the mystery of his will? Well, for our years and years and years, they knew a Messiah was coming, but they didn't know what it was going to look like or when. Well, Jesus is the revealing of that mystery, right? This is the revealing of the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. Only, only family members usually get an inheritance, right? That we have an inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him, he chose us. He chose us beforehand. Back to the concept. No, God did not make you and then go, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with this one? Right? He, he thought of an idea of how somebody would fit into his purposes and plan. And then he fashioned you with a personality and, 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 and even your, your body type, your height, your hair, your eyes. Like, there's reason, instead of us looking in the mirror and comparing to a magazine and saying, I don't add up to a Hollywood thing. No, no, no. My God created me purposefully, chosen and adopted and redeemed and designed to fulfill what he has called me to do. So regardless of what's going on around me, if I can maintain that concept, that's how I thrive. I thrive knowing no matter what situation he puts me in, my God's got this. Like he's, he's dad. I know who my dad is, right? And I know what he's like. And he is consistent and loving and just. He will make all things right in the end. Um, and so I've, I've got to come to a place of trust. When I know who my dad is, in him we've obtained an inheritance, have been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first, and he's talking about this, is Paul talking about the Jewish people first, we who were first, that was the Jewish people, uh, in Christ might be the praise of his glory, in him you, and now he's talking about anybody not Jewish, the Gentiles, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were seated, sealed, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. If you have had a moment where you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and prayed and confessed and said, I believe, I confess you as Lord, then in that moment, the Holy Spirit is, is, is dropped into your soul as a guarantee. You have the Spirit of God living inside of you as a guarantee of what is to come, of, of eternity. You have that to the praise of his glory. He says, I want you to remind, I, I, want, I want you to hear again who your dad is. I want you to hear again 
who, who he is. Because this is the only way in a crazy world, right, with crazy things going on around us, that we continue to thrive. Because when you know the end of the story, you know, my mom used to say to me all the time, you can do anything for a short time period if you know you don't have to do it forever. Right? And that's the idea, I think, of what Paul is trying to say in Ephesians and what he would say to us today. Is I want you to keep the end in mind. I want you to understand the end game. And the end game is this. You have been chosen, adopted, redeemed. You have a purpose and a meaning and a place. You have a Heavenly Father who loves you so passionately. And there's nothing that is skipping by Him right now. There's nothing that is slipping through His fingers. He sees it. He understands it all. He knows every hurt, every struggle, every pain. And He is working it out. And in the end... We will all have that moment when we get to heaven. I've said it before. I think the sound in heaven, what does heaven sound like? Most people think it sounds like harps. Right? There's just angels up there floating around and with their harps and all this. And I don't think that. I think, you know what heaven sounds like? I think every day it's, it's a new set of, oh, oh, okay, okay, oh, that, that's, okay, that's why. That's why I went through that. And that's why you did it this way. Because in the end, we're going to understand that God always had it under control. And what we see in the natural is limited as compared to what he's doing in the supernatural. And so I want to encourage you to trust him today. I want to encourage you to renew your mind to who you are and what God's created you to be. Now, I have to talk to some of you that may be watching that have never accepted Jesus. And so you don't necessarily have that guarantee. And, and you, you don't have that. But, but here's what's amazing is Jesus' arms are wide open. And he would say to you today, I do choose you. And I want to adopt you. And I want to redeem you. And you don't have to be perfect. And you don't have to be all clean. And you don't have to clean yourself up. What you do have to do is just surrender your life to me. And the scripture says it this way. Anyone who confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believes in their heart. Now I need you to understand that word believe. Because it's not just, oh yeah, I believe in God. Or just, you know, I no, 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 it is this. It is when I believe the actions come out. I believe that word in the original language is so deep that what it means is it, it will change your behavior because you believe it in such a way. So do you believe today that Jesus is Lord? Do you believe that he can save you? And if you do, it's as simple as praying and asking him something like this. Jesus confess my sins to you today. I ask that you would come into my life and, and forgive me. And as best as I know how, I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. It's just as simple as praying that. And then I thought, you know, we often ask, for those of you who have already prayed that, to maybe consider recommitting. But I'm going to ask, I'm going to say it a little bit differently today. I don't think it's a recommitment. You know what I think it is? I think it's a revisioning. In other words, maybe you have gotten away from chosen, adopted, and redeemed. Maybe things around you are going so kind of sideways right now that you've forgotten. It's no, it's not a recommitment today. It's a revisioning. God, help me to, to see anew the truth of who I am in you. Help me to see again who my dad is. And so let me pray with you today as we close. And, um, and I pray God spoke to you, but I pray even more that you'll take a next step, that you'll do something about it, that you won't just hear this message and not react but that you'll call someone, you'll get on live prayer, you'll 
fill out a connect card. You'll tell someone you know who's a believer so they can pray with you and help you in your next steps. Let me pray for you on that. Father, thank you for your word that constantly brings us back into alignment, constantly brings us back into that place where we're walking in the way that you've called us to walk. And Father, I pray for anyone this morning who is accepting you for the very first time. Give them boldness to share with someone the decision that they've made today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Pray a blessing over every household and individual that is watching today. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.